We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome, everybody. We are the Pettiest Bills Podcast. I'm not bright enough for all of that. Drew Gator. Because I thrive off negativity, it's just more hackery from a charlatan and a carpetbag. The Rock Pile Report. Oh, my blood pressure's rising. He gave him Coors Banquet beers out of spite. The Pettiest, Hardest Drinking Bills Podcast. I'll go to hell and back just to prove a point. to another edition of the Rock Pile Report Podcast. I'm your host, Bill, season ticket holder, Drew Gear. That's my producer, Chris Kruger. And we are here preparing for Week 12. Our matchup, the Buffalo Bills against the Philadelphia Eagles. Your time, 425 p.m. Eastern. Hold up. Are we just going to breeze past that this is our 600th episode? <laughs> I was hoping you wouldn't notice. <laughs> yeah, this is our 600th episode. 600. 600 podcasts, guys. Do you know how old I feel right now? When we started, when we first recorded the first primer, not even the real podcast, but our first test recording for this show, I had literally just started dating my wife and had just helped her move out of her ex-boyfriend's apartment. I had stuck. I remember I still had gas on me because I'd moved the mower and some of it spilled and I still just came home and we recorded anyway. Because at that point, who gave a shit? We were just two losers behind microphones. I mean, well, we're still two losers behind microphones. But we were two losers behind microphones in a Chictawaga kitchen. Or no, was that Depew at the time? It was Depew. A Depew kitchen. Right over by, we used to have to get interrupted all the time by the cops. Because <laughs> the police station and fire department were both right at the end of the street. Yeah. It's hilarious. 600 podcasts, dude. I think we are like three years away from a thousand. Man. Yeah. Like, what do you do at a time like this? When you think back about it, 600 episodes of this nonsense. First? I mean, you try to milestone <laughs> every... Every hundred, you try to milestone them, but like, at we're at six hundred. It, it's like 
It's almost like birthdays now that we're 30. There, yeah, there's no... Almost 40? There's no, like, audio that I have that I haven't already played or... I mean, don't get me any, wrong. Folks. Anything like that. I mean... We still make asses out of ourselves. The thing is, we've just gotten so good at this, it happens far less than it used to. Yeah, and someone <laughs> gave us money for equipment. Yeah, so we have dumb enough to pay us for this. Yeah, thanks, Blue Wire. Yeah, now we have all this money for uh, expensive ass equipment. Yeah, and stupid glasses like that. Show everybody what the hell you're drinking out of, because I'll. <laughs> yeah, this is. I made myself. Uh, I thought of this last night at or really this morning at work. The last word riff. This is uh, an ounce of. Apple brandy, bottled and bond, pear liqueur, allspice dram, and lemon juice. And it is delicious. We don't have a name for it yet, but it, it is a riff on the last word, which is a gin cocktail. Absolutely delicious. Look how far we've come in 600 episodes of a podcast. Some of you guys, for you listeners, think about this. Where were you, the diehards who were here from the beginning or who came in, you know, Chris, I, I love the number of people who said that they tuned in at the beginning and it was rough, so they tuned out for a couple years. That guy from Australia, I forget his name. <laughs> uh, uh, oh, my God. I know his name. He was in my he house. Sh- he, sh- well, he showed up to a uh, tailgate. Yeah, he came to a tailgate. And with was us just, and he- like, brutally honest. And we're like, thanks. He was like, no. He goes, I started listening, and your show was really bad. So I <laughs> went and listened to something else. He goes, and then after a few years, I looked around and I said, Oh, those guys are still here. Well, I'll go back and see if they've gotten any better. And we didn't. And we didn't. It's the same crap. It's just better produced now. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I think the first the first follow or follower that I can remember would be Mayor McCheese on Mayor Twitter. Mayor McCheese is pretty On fun. Twitter. Eric Harris is also up there. He was at our giant tailgate, and he was like, I came in around episode five. <laughs> like, wow. Ah, he's he's, he's an OG. stuck around. And and then I, I wonder, like Jason Hicksonbaugh, yep. right? like if I have to go back to the people that I remember interacting with the most that I've still like, that, that have become, Jason Hicksonbaugh is probably number one with the bullet for me. This guy reached out 2017. We start talking about things. He's actively on Facebook Messenger trying to cheer me up during the Nathan Peterman game. He's like, don't worry, man. It's not going to be so bad. There's a comeback coming. It's going to happen. And by the end, he was just like, man, I just wanted." He was right where I was. He was like, I just want one before I die. I was like, all right, me and this guy can get along. I like this guy. And we really just... We've kept in touch over the years. Like it's interesting, all the people we've picked up, and I think that's what makes our podcast. Well, he messaged me. Jason messaged me. Like this might have been two weeks ago. I think there was the it was the Raider Jet game on Sunday Night Football. He messages me on Facebook, and he goes, "Antonio Pierce looks like D'Lo Brown." <laughs> it was. He's he's hilarious. spot on. He's hilarious. That, that and guys, what you don't know is that he quietly just sends Chris and I AI uh, Im- like AI graphic design created images. They're hilarious of just the things we talk about on the podcast. And I, I've tried to mess around with AI to 
get something like that, and it doesn't. It, I don't get nearly as. He's somehow figured it out, and it just makes me wheeze sometimes when I see it. Like the story of me throwing Chris out of the truck. Oh yeah. For some reason, I look like uh, John Goodman in The Big Lebowski. And Chris is a muscular guy with a mohawk and a basketball jersey on. It's like, it's so close to being the real thing. I just, I, I, I want you guys to think about this. 600 episodes. Some of them were an hour. Some of them, Chris, when we were in our Rogan era, we used to just go on for two and a half hours. Yeah. I remember getting all the complaints. People were like, I can't listen to this in one drive. Then move. Move <laughs> farther away from work. Yeah, work an hour and a half away from where you live. Then you get it all in a uh, ride to work and a ride home. Think back to where you were when you first started listening to our show and where you are today. I just hope that kind of like I am, kind of like Chris is, that all of your lives are in a better place than they are now. And if they're not, at least you have us. <laughs> at least you still have us right yeah guys chris cheers cheers 600 600 episodes 600 episodes Damn. and on to our week 12 preview bills at eagles the time i have it down here again is 425 is that correct yes okay 425 i was gonna say 415 just to make you mad if you, you, if you say 415 with confidence, you immediately get discredited by football fans. Because anybody that watches the NFL knows there is no such thing as a 415 kickoff. This week, Friday, Jets-Dolphins 3 o'clock kickoff. You have to put that into your brain for years to come now that Amazon's going to have a Black Friday game. Black Friday, 3 o'clock kickoff. That's the new time to learn. No point in, in any time in history has the NFL ever kicked off at 4.15. Makes you look like an ass. I will say this. I read a hilarious tweet and just refused to f go down the rabbit hole any farther. Talking about how this Amazon-only Friday foot Black Friday football game wasn't really a football game so much as it's an attack on brick-and-mortar shopping by Amazon. And it's them trying to create a monopoly. And I was like, guys, how hard are you working to try to create crappy narratives? What are you doing here? What are we talking about? That game is going to be an abomination. They're lucky it's on Amazon, so it can't hurt normal people just channel surfing. Chris, the Tim Boyle and the Jets against the Dolphins. There are some hockey games on. I believe I will be watching those. All of them are more watchable than that nonsense. I would rather watch cricket. I would rather watch cricket. So, for the Buffalo Bills, 425 p.m. Eastern Standard, the place, the point at the link in Philadelphia, PA, the weather does not look great. And I don't know who that favors more, Right. 50% precipitation, 6-mile-an-hour winds, scattered showers, 51 degrees. Nothing crazy, but not ideal. It'll probably be one of those misty games like we saw. Like in Kansas City this past Monday, it was raining in Kansas City, right? Not yeah. pouring, but a steady rain. This strikes me, just looking at all the <clears throat> stuff here, it seems like more of like a mist. I'd be interested to know what that looks like 
when you get to Sunday? Like, who does that favor, do you think? Probably the Eagles. The line is the Bills plus three and a half, which I actually like. Right? We're just a little... Like, usually three points denotes that like you like them better than... You're only getting three because you're the home team, right? Yeah. 3.5 means we like them more than just for being the home team, but it's not by much. <clears throat> yeah. I'd love to talk to a gambling expert and find out turnover differential, like how much that plays into this dynamic. I'll do the research tomorrow. Like is like the fact that the if the Bills don't like the Bills haven't generated as many turnovers as the Eagles have. And they say, "Well, that's that half." Cuz one of these teams is really prone to turning the ball over. One of them isn't. And also one of them gets a lot of takeaways. That would make sense, wouldn't it? Yeah. Strap yourself in for this one, Chris. Do you know who's, whose crew is calling the game? We've got the GOATs. Nance and Romo. Yeah. I want to point this out to you. Look at, Take a look at this right here on the coverage map here. This is fucking hilarious that, they're, that this is happening. So CBS late game is Kansas City at the Raiders or Buffalo at Philadelphia. But if you look, all of Arizona is blacked out because the Cardinals are enforcing a blackout. So you can Wait, what? O- only watch the Cardinals game in most of the state of Arizona. So I didn't <laughs> think that you were allowed to enforce a blackout. You can well, it's not a blackout of the Cardinals. That's the only thing you can watch in Arizona. Oh no, no, you can't change the channel and put on uh Bills Eagles or Chiefs Raiders. You have to watch the Cardinals. And this is why people pirate. This is why people steal things. Nonsense like this. Nobody wants to watch. Why would they force people to watch them? Who are they playing? The Rams. You only get to watch Rams Cardinals in the 4 o'clock window. I would rather watch vintage pornography (laughs) than that game. Like, I'm talking like 1930s. Silent film era. The Cardinals are Did like. I say that. I'm sorry. <laughs> well, the Cardinals are like. Oh God, we're at a four o'clock window with these two other games. Let's enforce a blackout so people have to watch the Cardinals. The whole franchise. The whole most Chris. What is it with Arizona franchises? Just like the Diamondbacks had a lot of success this year, but the hockey teams, the football teams. Why are they all just trash all the time? It's not a sports state. Is it just because it's hot and you can actually yeah. go outside and do things? Or is it because people care so little because they they themselves don't get to go outside and play sports? It's, it's, it's the market. I mean, I'm full aware that Gary Bettman is keeping trying to keep the Coyotes in Arizona because it was the first team that he relocated to his vision of having hockey in non-traditional markets. So, And it hasn't worked the entire time, but he's forcing it to work just because it was the first team that he moved from a hockey market to a non-traditional market. I'm going to take a deep breath and I'm going to say this with my chest. Bring back the Nordiques. Bring them back. They should be back. Bring them back. Who do you think the officiating crew is? Lan Clark. No, 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 no. And this is why I'm not 
thrilled about the the Bill, Bill Vinovich in this game. No, 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 no. I hated this man so much, and then when I was like, okay, well, he's got to leave eventually, and then his stain will be wiped off the NFL forever. And then I find out that his idiot kid is now refereeing. Oh, we got Hockley. Sean Hockley. He did. I, I, if I ever met him in person, I would tell him to do some more curls. Be like, your dad puts you to shame, and that's pathetic. Just like that. Just be like, that's lame. <laughs> you stick. Uh, the injury report for both teams is going to be highly interesting, Chris. Bills versus Eagles injuries. Can you go ahead and give me that a, give that a Google and stick it up over there on that screen? So... It's gonna be. It, it's going to play a huge role in it because they've lost quietly some key pieces to their team. The Buffalo Bills also have a number of pending injuries. Guys, that Chris, a guy got carted off again. How many times do I have to watch a guy get carried off the field in an ambulance this year at a Buffalo Bills game? This seems inordinate, right? Like once in someone's lifetime seems like a lot. Why do we have two? Goddard's out. Oh, where are you seeing this? Uh, right there. Tight end Dallas Goddard, forearm, and Grant. Who gives a fuck? Calcaterra, no, I'll tell you. We're going to talk ankle. about like, Grant Calcaterra is big. They didn't. Goddard's out for an unknown period of time. He fractured his forearm in week nine. Okay, and Calcaterra then uh, suffered an ankle injury, forced him from the game. Are you sure they're out? Yeah, Goddard's out. Calcaterra... We'll see. But an ankle injury, that seems to be... That seems to be a pain-in-the-ass injury. I wouldn't be surprised if he's missing. And then defensive tackle Milton Williams. Forced to leave Monday's game with a concussion. So, who knows if he'll play. So, for us, Micah Hyde being limited, that's not great. And maybe that's just precautionary. Cam Lewis... That actually, I, a year ago, I would have screamed in my own face thinking about Cam Lewis being back being good news. Him being around is a good thing. Um, Dorian Williams with his knee as a full ankle for Trent Shurfield, he's a full. Taylor Rapp, Teron Johnson, and Dane Jackson are all non-participants. That's a problem, isn't it? Yeah. You can't have half your secondary injured. Yeah. For for the Eagles, I just I feel like they have some things. Like, let's see. Let's see if I can get a screenshot of it. Because, again, it's a walkthrough. So, Eagles injury report, week 12. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. 
That's indeed.com slash blue wire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Yeah, not having Dane Jackson, Teron Johnson, or Taylor Rapp practice is that's not good. Yeah, Dallas Goddard did not participate. Milton Williams, who's a backup, I watched him get hurt in that game. Justin Evans, another safety. That's a problem. Did not participate. Grant Calcaterra is interesting. Like I said, we're going to talk about that. And then Derek Barnett. Do you remember him getting drafted in the first round by the Tennessee? Yeah. Hmm. Derek Barnett, personal reasons. He's having a terrible season. He hasn't been good in the pros since they took him in the first round. I really thought he was a slam dunk of a pick. I wonder if he looks bad or if it's just that when you put him up against all the other draft picks that they've had in the defensive line that have panned out, like Fletcher Cox, um, you look at the, you know, the guys that they've brought in, like Javon Hargrave, you put him next to the, uh, who's that guy that they have now, Jalen Carter. This is a problem. He's just, he's Greg Rousseau, but everybody who's coming in is Von Miller in their prime. He looks like a bust by comparison. So they just he just continues to find ways not to be on the football field. Now he's not participating for personal reasons. I just I, I think that that has a bad end to it. The the Bills and Eagles don't play each other a lot, do they, Chris? Uh, every four years, swapping home sites. Do you know so- what that amounts to? Historically, fourteen games, and just five times since the turn of the century. Unsurprisingly, since 2020, the Bills are 1-4 against the Eagles. Do you remember our lone win? I'm looking it up. 2011. I remember where I was. I was at uh, what used to be Cozumel. It was uh, Tequila Bar, downtown Buffalo. (laughs) It's funny. They're closed now, so I can talk about this. My uncle and I had this arrangement with this bar downtown. Now, he was friends with them. We were actually trying to buy it, which, Chris, can you imagine me being a co-owner of a downtown bar at the age of, like, 25? Well, we wouldn't be doing this, I could tell you that. No, I'd be dead by now. Like, I would have died a long time ago. So we would go, because they owed so many people money, we would go and buy booze and then sell it to the owners who would then stock the bar with it because they owed their vendors and they couldn't get shipments of booze in. Now, all of this is outside of the view. It's irrelevant. <laughs> it's irrelevant, though. I've already checked the statute of limitations. It's been a decade. I can't be prosecuted. So, with that in mind, we were doing this, and that was my hangout. And they would put out a big, like, barbecue. They, they had a big spread, a full buffet of food for halftime every week. And obviously, because we were doing them a favor, we drank for free every week. So, it was a party spot. My uncle's team was the Eagles. And he if it wasn't the Bills, it was the Eagles. And when we got them, Ryan Fitzpatrick hard-counted Philly's defensive line and got them to you know, fourth and five, here we go, game on the line. Or I think it was even shorter than that. It was like fourth and three or fourth and two. They come up, and he hard-counts them. And they jump off sides. And that's it. We kneel, game over. Everyone thinks Ryan Fitzpatrick's hilarious. Crucial, right? Crucial play to run with the clock. Outside of that, all of those games have been a disaster. <clears throat> Negative 32-point differential across those games. Three of the five games were decided by a single point. 
uh, since 2000, Josh Allen is the only quarterback for the Buffalo Bills to play multiple games against Philly as long as he starts on Sunday. So what that tells you, Fitz, Tyrod, Bledsoe, Trent Edwards, think about the like those guys tent pulled how many other quarterbacks that we ran into over the course of that. We were a turnstile for quarterbacks, and so it makes sense we weren't doing well when we played these Eagles teams. I feel like a lack of a quarterback fueled a lot of our frustrations against that team. And then the last time, because we think about it, they had Vic, they had McNabb, they had Wentz before he turned into a pumpkin. Although I, he blew his knee out and was just never the same guy. Yeah. Do you think it was the knee injury or do you think it was the shame of knowing that some other guy cucked you and won your Super Bowl? The cuck part. There's a statue of another guy. You were a first-round pick and almost a lock to be the be like NFL MVP that season. And now there's a statue of some other dude outside of a stadium because of work you put in. Like, yeah, no, I would have a lot of problems with that. It probably wouldn't end well. I This time we at least have a quarterback. But I think that historically when we've gone up against him, like even in you know, the last time Allen played him, what was it, 20? Because my dad was there with us, so it had to be when they allowed fans in the stands. So you're talking 2021? The last time we played was 19. 19, okay, perfect. Wasn't that the game in the mud lot where that RV showed up with the yeah, hot tub? Hot tub. <laughs> the was... Philly hot tub guys were parked in our parking lot. I'll give Eagles fans this. We showed up to set up the tailgate, and there's these two big RVs right next to each other. And you could tell that in between them they had set up like an alleyway of tables and grills and just stuff. And they must have been going until God knows when because there's empty beer bottles all over the place. Like It's, it's a massacre out there. We get there, we're in there, and we're setting up our tailgate. And these old guys get out of the camper, the bigger one, and it's got that big motorcycle bay off the back. And they go, hey, you boys want an Irish coffee? We're like, well, yeah, we'll take an Irish coffee. They roll this ramp down, and it's got the green, and then they roll out. It's like that green astroturf, like the fake grass. Yeah, that you would see on like a put, like a fake putting surface in somebody's office. And inside the back of this thing is a bar. There's just a bar where the motorcycle bay used to be. TV in there, the whole nine. And so we walk, Chris and I walk into the bar, and he's making us all Irish coffees, and we get to talking to him. He pulls out, goes to the DVD player they have rigged up in there and puts in something, and he's showing Chris and I footage of them being on the news for having a hot tub outside the, the Philly stadium in the middle of winter. And then I was like, oh, so you guys set that up in the morning and then went into the game. He was like, oh, fuck no, I got too drunk. I never made it in. I go, of course not. You're drinking in a hot tub. You're not going to it. You, you... Raise your hand right now, listening to this podcast, where you are, think about this. How many, how many of you have made it into an NFL football game after being in a hot tub that day? After. If I set foot in a hot tub, I'm finished. I'm done. Cancel all my appointments. Send my kids to bed. They go, oh, it's 3 p.m. I don't care. Just get them out of here. Everything's done. Eagles fans are pretty cool. 
it's just weird that like we've always been on the wrong end of this. Go back to 2019. What did they have, Chris? They had a coaching advantage. They had a quarterback advantage. They had a lot of things going for them. You know, Josh Allen hadn't taken his step yet as far as being this just electric offensive presence that we thought that we now know him to be. <clears throat> so, that was the start of it. That was the that's when we went ten and six. So it's like Yep. All right, we have something with Josh Allen. Yeah. And that and then that was one of those games where you just watch him get beat and you go, Okay, well, we just didn't bring it today. <laughs> Today's just a it's just a sad day. This time we seem to have a coaching staff, allegedly. We definitely have a quarterback. Unfortunately, Philly once again has both of those things. And once again, it's an offensive-minded head coach with a great quarterback who's in the MVP race. I think that's what makes this game so compelling. And it sucks that it comes at a time when a win is, I don't want to say mandatory, but it would be a massive boon to the Bills' playoff chances. When you want to try to dissect what they are, this is what I'll say. First of all, you this idea of first and nine is prevalent. Like, everyone knows it now. This team understands that they can go into any game, and if it's ever in question that they need to pick up a yard or a yard and a half, Chris, they just pull the trigger on the secret play. Yeah. Done. They're not hiding anything. But that makes you more aggressive in your early down play calling. Offensive head coach. The knowledge that on fourth and short, you can just pick it up at will. You have some things going on for you. So you look at this and you say, okay, they're going to be able to attack us early and often rather than playing safe on early downs the way a lot of teams might. Because they know that on second down, you know, they, they can afford to take chances on first down. Because on second down, they just have to get decent yardage. They might still be able to pick it up on third. And if on third they can just get close, it's a gimme. It sucks because it gives them so much, such an advantage. And it's such a disparity over the, any team that you play. Think about when they beat Miami. <clears throat> when they beat Miami, that was a, a recognition by their head coach that, hey... I was going to punt, but realistically, the statistics, if I make this, are huge in my favor, so f- screw it. We're just going to go out there. We're going to run this sneak thing. We're going to get the one and a half yards. One and a half is far, but we're going to get it. And when we do, now they're on roller skates. And they went on to just steamroll Miami for the rest of the game at a time when Miami probably could have taken that punt and gotten back into the contest. I just think that in order to counter that, Sean McDermott has to have a plan, doesn't he? Yeah, he has to. You have to show up for this. You have to know what you're going to do on those early downs. Early down defense can't be passive. It can't be, hey, we're going to put Terrell Dodson out there in a run fit. Because the odds that they run it on first down are slim. That may not be the play. They're going to hit you with a lot of play action. They're going to do a lot of things into the flats and get their playmakers like Swift out into space. It's It really does make for a miserable matchup for a defense that's missing so much talent and has so many injuries coming into this week. 
also on offense, the health of the Eagles are going to impact their approach, and this is where this game might get interesting. Buffalo has defensive back injuries. That's a problem. The Eagles don't really have any healthy tight ends on their roster. They just don't. Chris, pull up our lads, Eagles, over here on this monitor for Got it. So I'm watching the game against the Chiefs on Monday night, and I see Grant Calcaterra turn his ankle, and he's a young player, or at least not a very NFL-experienced player. And so they all of a sudden are rolling Julio Jones out there as a wide receiver option and throwing them small flares out into the flat. They're trying to make Julio Jones now kind of the tight end in their offense, but it doesn't work like that because he can't play off the line. He's not like a split end where he can come in and play off a tackle's hip. That's not Julio Jones' game. So when you look at this, the tight end depth chart is Dallas Goddard, Jack Stoll, Grant Calcaterra, and a Buchelbaum, which I believe he's on the practice squad. What I know is that they only went into the game with a few that were active. None of them were impactful. And so you watch the Eagles kind of struggle to move the ball sometimes in the passing game. Because they didn't have that mismatch against the Kansas City linebackers that they really wanted. Chris, the fact that they didn't challenge them at all tells me Julio Jones. Like, they didn't try to send Julio Jones on a seam route. No. I think that tells you where Julio Jones is physically. Or at least, and maybe it's just as familiar with the playbook. I don't know. But they, they didn't utilize him much at all. They're going to have a really tough time. Like, that hurts you, whether you're a team that runs the ball, especially in the passing attack. Dallas Goddard was their essentially what? If you if you look at the numbers, Dallas Goddard for the Philadelphia Eagles, if I want to look at target share, Dallas Goddard has 52 targets. So he is their third wide receiver, de facto. When you look at the other wide receivers on the roster, you have the big two in A.J. Brown and Devonta Smith. And you don't have a lot beyond that. You know, Zach, a guy named Olamid Zacchaeus, who he's fast, but he's not ever been anything special. Julio Jones, Quez Watkins. I think Quez Watkins had one good fantasy game like a year or two ago, and everyone rushed to pick him up on waivers. I don't know. It was, they don't have much in terms of depth at wide receiver or pass catcher. Now, they've done some good things with the running backs, but realistically, you're talking about a football team that is light in the skill department. That's a good thing for Buffalo, right? Yeah. Okay. It's going to change the way that they can set up their run fits, too, because now if you actually intend on running the ball, when you have Dallas Goddard, you can at least run the ball with him at the line of scrimmage, and defenses have to guess. Now, what the Eagles have been doing is rolling out an extra lineman playing a tight end position. But that's almost a almost a tell in and of itself, isn't it? Yeah. Okay, so it's just you wonder why that the Chiefs, the Chiefs defense hasn't been anything special this year. They've had good games, but they haven't been special. And they looked like they were holding, what, they had a 17-7 lead at halftime? Against the Eagles here? Yeah. It's 
it's tough because you're talking about a team that like they really struggled until they figured out what they, they had a big second half. That's a one in the game against Kansas City. They're struggling to find balance in their offense without quality tight end play. I think that that is going to help our linebackers a lot. I think it's going to help them commit to the run. It's going to keep DeAndre Swift from doing some of the things that they want to do with him in terms of these off-tackle runs. Because realistically, when you look at how they operate, it's gross. Jason Kelsey, he's my favorite Kelsey brother, by the way. I don't care about the Taylor Swift thing. Jason Kelsey, sexiest, what, sexiest man alive candidate? Something like that. How do you not look at that guy and go, he's 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 a dude? I would vote for him to be the new face of brawny paper towels. Awesome. The thing that you look, they're so good at draw plays and quarterback sweeps. And it's, it's a byproduct of this. Off- First of all, we know their offensive line is good. Lane Johnson, their right tackle, has only surrendered one sack in like three seasons, I believe. Their center and left guard get out in space really quickly. Jason Kelsey is just to watch him play the game of football at his age. He's out at the second level consistently, just hammering linebackers. And God forbid you're a defensive back who tries to tries to get out of his way or tries to step up to him. It's ugly. And so behind that, what they get away with is a lot of quarterback sweeps and a lot of running back draws, a lot of quarterback draws. Our linebackers are really going to have to have their head on a swivel here. And I think that this is where you have to question what McDermott's approach might be. Because this idea that you can just keep putting safeties down in the box, now some of that might get scuttled if Taylor Rapp can't play. But safeties in the box playing as linebacker doesn't do you any good in a matchup like this because those guys will routinely get to the second level and they will put bodies on you that's a liability it, i hate to say it but this is a game where you need a dorian williams or a terrell dodson and that alone makes most bills fans cringe doesn't it oh yeah <sighs> and then on defense when you try to look at what they are schematically it's just pressure Pressure and pressure and pressure. They're constantly, it's stunts and it's, it's stunts and they run games. They run games from both end. They run twists. But the, but the worst is the fact that most of their defensive linemen, a lot of them, Chris, can win their one-on-one matchups without help. They don't need help. Right? They have a first-round draft pick in 2023, Nolan Smith. And then they also get Jalen Carter. So as they're rotating on the edge, they have one of the game's most impactful defensive linemen. Josh Sweat's no slouch. Fletcher Cox has been a long-time pro bowler. Hassan Reddick. Hassan Reddick, when they picked him up from Arizona, you're like, oh, no. Oh, this is bad. And then he goes on to have, I think, double-digit sacks. I, I want to say 12 or 13 last year. Why don't you pull him up on Pro Football Reference and tell me how many sacks he has this year? What you see is that they're... they're He's got eight and a half right now. Yeah, their defensive line is gross. They have the ability individually. So it's not even like, hey, if we run a twist or a stunt, they can win without gamesmanship. They just win off the talent of those four players. That's terrifying. 
Then you factor in the fact that now Milton Williams is interesting at defensive tackle because they don't. I mean, they have Jordan Davis, who surprisingly has not done as well in the NFL. Have you noticed that? Remember when Jordan Davis, like, again, first-round draft pick. Well, look at all the first-round picks, Chris. Fletcher Cox, first-round pick in 2012. Jalen Carter, first-round pick in uh, 2023. Nolan Smith, first-round pick in 2023. Jordan Davis, first-round pick 2022. They have a Brandon Graham. <laughs> Brandon Graham is a rotational end at this point in his career, but he was a first-round pick back in 2010. Barnett, first round in 17. He's injured, though. Yeah, he's injured. But the fact is, you've got these guys. They've sunk so many assets into this. It makes sense that it works. And it's working better than ever now. Pressure, like, our offensive line is really going to have its pressure cut out, or work cut out for it. Specifically in terms of giving Allen the protection that he needs. They're a top five pressure percentage defense, but they're middle of the pack in terms of blitz. It's because they win with that front four. They commit to coverage, and just that's enough most of the time to slow most offenses down because that press, the pressure's so good. They're not without flaws, though. Their linebackers and cornerbacks are all vulnerable. And you think back to how this happened. At the start of the season, I remember watching one of the injuries happen with my own two eyes. They lost both of their outside starting cornerbacks for the season early. Yeah, they lost. McPherson was a guy who was in there. He got lost to the preseason. So then, you know, Avante Maddox and uh, James Bradbury were your starters. And then week two, Avante Maddox gets friendly fire hit as somebody's coming over the top, blows his shoulder out. He's done. Bradbury is just old. He's just a guy who's been drafted. Uh, what's his draft you're saying there, Chris? Scroll down. Who, Bradbury? Yeah, scroll down to the bottom of that. Okay, so there you go. So, uh, oh. Came from the Giants. Came from the Giants. It doesn't say when. Hey, uh, call in if you know when James Bradbury was drafted. Yeah, so he's 30. <laughs> he's 30. He came from Carolina, went to the Giants. Carolina let him go. They didn't care about him there. He's got six touchdowns allowed and 113 NFL passer rating against with no interceptions. He's got some PBUs, but ultimately his ball skills aren't there. He was a second-round pick. Okay. He has struggled a lot this season. People think like it got early, it got late real early for James Bradbury because there's plenty of 30-year-old corners still in the NFL. I mean, especially if you know uh, Sean McDermott. He'll bring you back at the age of 37. He doesn't give a shit. <laughs> Did I coach you once for the Carolina Panthers? You can be on my roster. <laughs> but their defensive backs are thin. They allow a lot of yardage. Like Darius Slay is doing a decent job. He's okay. But Bradbury's just rough. And then you look at what they're doing at the linebacker position, Chris. The guys behind that def- that sick defensive line in the front seven are both players right now that were discussed as guys the Bills should try to sign as backup caliber players in free agency this year. Scroll up there. Yeah. Nick Morrow, Zach Cunningham. Nick Morrow was a former Raiders linebacker who just got picked on by a lot of different people. And when you look at how they've stacked up over, like, if we just look over the course of a season, 
I would look at the Eagles and you say, where did your linebackers go in terms of, uh, let's say, coverage? It's pretty simple. Receptions allowed. Zach Cunningham is second on the team in receptions allowed. He's not a cornerback. <laughs> Cornerbacks get targeted. I, I want you to take like think about that. Zach Cunningham isn't a defensive back, but he's allowed more receptions than James Bradbury, <coughs> who leads the team with six touchdowns. Cunningham is okay against the run. He's a decent box linebacker. Not great in coverage. At the same time, you go down the line and you find yourself a Nick Morrow. 17 receptions, but on 22 targets. Both of these guys are giving up over 75% in the passing game. Now, this takes me back to the Raiders game, where I say, look, remember when you're like, hey, how do we stay on schedule against a team that has a little bit of talent here, not a lot of talent there? And I go, oh, that's your weakness. It's those linebackers right there. And who's better equipped to to provide that than the Buffalo Bills running out of 11 personnel, Chris? I don't know. There's not a lot of football teams. There just isn't. Now, this is where I'll say that the Bill, this Bills team has, has experience against teams with stout defensive lines this season, albeit with a different play caller at the helm. But I like the fact that we have someone who's a little more aggressive when it comes to passing situations, when it comes to how they... Someone with a little more nuance to their play design or their play calling situationally. Because there is a lot of meat on the bone here. Even the trade, right? They trade for uh, Kevin Byard. Yeah. The safety. Still doesn't fix the fact that you've got injuries, you've got depth issues there. The middle of the field, something that we just got done talking about in our recap podcast, the middle of the field, Brady owned it. The Buffalo Bills are going to have to make their hay there. You're going to have some shots available, I think, if you want to take them, especially if they're dumb enough to let uh, let Bradbury cover Gabe Davis. But it's your opportunities are probably going to come be- between the numbers, but there are plays to be made there. There will be. You just have to have the right game plan, and you have to approach it correctly. And that's why I want to talk about this week's Keys to Victory. Wow, it's a lot of keys. Bigger the keychain, more powerful the man. First one is Dalton Kincaid on those linebackers. Chris, where do you think that Dalton Kincaid ranks in terms of average separation for the entire season? Is this among tight ends? Among all pass catchers. Top 10? As long as you have 30 targets, I want you guys to think, keep this in mind. If you have 30 targets, you appear on this list. Is it top 10? Higher. Top 5? He is, well, Luke Musgrave going out makes him the guy. So he's number 6. Dalton Kincaid is number 6 in the NFL at 4 yards of separation on average. Just over the course of 11 weeks. He's getting open in ways that some of the games, like... And this is what you see, right? Like, that separation number is ambiguous because you can say, oh, he's doing a great job. Some of it's also roster makeup. Some of it also is play calling. You have play callers who can scheme guys open. And you have teams that are so talented elsewhere that defenses simply can't allocate resources to a tight end. 
But, Chris, I think we're kind of a mix of both. I think that this past week, Brady showed that he can use motion and he can do different things to scheme a guy open. And at the same time, Stephon Diggs will almost always have two sets of eyes on him, won't he? Yeah. By and large. But also, you can't let Gabe Davis loose on the outside or else he's going to post route you to death. Teams know this, so they keep safeties back. They have multiple eyes on your outside threats. It makes sense that Dalton Kincaid's out there. But also what I love is that, like, in terms of, like, things like catch percentage, he ranks highly. In terms of yardage for tight ends, he's doing pretty well, right? You look at the rookie and you say to yourself, you go, okay, where do I slot into this? Where do I, you know, where do I go with a Dalton Kincaid in terms of where he sits in the tight end hierarchy of the NFL? Well, I don't know. I, I look at this and I say to myself, when I've got a guy who's caught 51 of 58 targets, his hands seem pretty solid, don't they? Yeah. 436 and two touchdowns. He's got almost as many receiving yards as Gabe Davis. You have almost a borderline number two wide receiver as a rookie at the tight end slot. It's almost a lot like they're, like they're Dallas Goddard. I think that what we've learned, right, is that it's easy, like when you watch, anybody who watched Monday Night Football, trying to hope, hopefully get an idea of what we can expect this Sunday, it's easy to suppress Travis Kelsey's production when the secret's kind of out about Mahomes' wide receiver group. No one's scared of those guys. For his, uh, Watson and who else did they even have? Hardman got hurt. He injured his thumb. Uh, Kadarius Tony is now a kick returner, like a kick returner. He, he's essentially Isaiah McKenzie at this point, isn't he? Yeah. He's Isaiah McKenzie with more fanfare. Justin Watson was getting a bulk of the targets for the Chiefs on Monday. Yeah, how'd that go? I mean, he did have a touchdown. He had a touchdown. In the first half where they get their points. Mm-hmm. And then he dropped one. And then he dropped one. And then Marvis Valdez Scandling dropped one. And somebody else dropped one. And then the game was over. And everyone was stuck walking around going, What happened? <laughs> what happened, B? So... You can't, like, it's easy to target the tight end and go, hey, we're going to take away him. We're going to linebacker with a slot corner. We're going to put Legereus Sneed, Legereus Sneed. (laughs) We're going to put our best corner, like Legereus Sneed would follow A.J. Brown around. That's what I'm thinking of. The way A.J. Brown followed Legereus Sneed. We're going to put one of our best defensive backs on Travis Kelsey. Or what we're going to do is we're going to, when we go zone, it's still going to be you're going to have a slot corner plus a linebacker plus a safety who's got eyes on him. You can't do that against the Buffalo Bills because the strength of our offense is that 11 personnel package. Shakir has now put it on tape that if you let him get into the soft spots in your zone, Allen might find him and he'll take that to the house. It's on tape that, you know, like the Bengals tried to play that zone and Kincaid will just shred you. But at the same time, you know you can't leave Stefan Diggs alone. We're slowly rounding into what is a more da- one of the more dangerous skill position groups in the AFC. Yeah, everyone used to look at the Chiefs like they were it. 
And then it was, hey, the Bengals have the best. Yeah, well, they don't have a quarterback, so that doesn't matter. Kincaid might be the secret to winning this game simply because we have too many other targets for them to really focus on a rookie, and that's where you can make them pay. Like, this could be a Dalton Kincaid game. One of my other keys of the game. It's going to be finding a way for your defensive line to just hold up against these guys. And your linebackers can't, like when they pull a guard in the center out into space, you guys have to try to contain that. The safeties have to try to contain this. We can't get gashed for giant chunk plays. That's what was happening in the Kansas City Chiefs last week. They'd hold them. They'd say, hey, you, you only had a short carry on first down. Second down, it'd be a quarterback draw, and they'd get nine yards. And so you go, okay, well, there's a first down, but it won't happen again. Well, then they'd pull tackle and guard out into space, and then it's a screen pass to Swift, but you've already got Jason Kelsey on your linebacker at the second level. The defensive line has to find a way to occupy these guys. They have to. This is a game that I think you signed Linval Joseph for, right? You want him here specifically so that he can eat space, so that he can occupy blockers, so that he can be a menace at the line of scrimmage. And at the same time, Ed Oliver can come in and do some of the things that he does that makes those guys think, hey, I should stay home. Or it makes a play caller go, hey, maybe I'll pull one guy. I'm not. Maybe I won't pull both. That alone is a victory, but it's going to take sound execution by the <laughs> defensive line. They have to be able to, it's not about the pass rush, right? I'm not worried about sacking Jalen Hurts 20 times. What I'm concerned about is keeping him in the pocket long enough that you can just force negative plays. And at the same time, that they stop running some of these trap style runs that they have. It's just, they bait you into getting upfield and it's, Chris, it's the, it's the stuff we used to do. You remember that? Yeah. Back in the day when Josh Allen used to be a runner. So my other keys to victory. You have to start running Josh Allen. Like, I, I think I saw the stat. The Bills are undefeated when Josh Allen rushes 10 or more times in a game. That makes sense. Yeah, because the defensive coordinator has no idea what to do. Because you didn't just rush 10 times head first into a pile of bodies. No, Josh waited for a play to develop and then took off when he saw a gap and he crushed you for 15 yards. And so then when he does it a second time, you're forced to drop a linebacker back into coverage now and spy. Or you're forced to bring a safety down and act as a spy. It affects the way you're able to manipulate your front seven because somebody has to do something differently just because that guy can run the football. That's it. The Bills have to weaponize Josh's legs in this game in order to keep pace with the Eagles. You have to. They do it. They do it every single time it's in their best interest. The Bills now have to do it, not, not just do it, but do it with intent. Do it to send a message. Say, listen, here's some called quarterback draws, and we're going to draw up patterns that pull guys away from the box so that Josh can get his lane to take off. Show me that you have that, Brady, and you might be ready. You might be the guy to take this offense to the next step, right? One game against a team that has a good defense and a dog shit offense doesn't sell me. 
What sells me is watching you do it against a team that will probably represent the NFC East in the Super Bowl. That's it. Go out there and orchestrate an offense, but show me that you're willing to not only buy into motion, that you're not only willing to buy into this idea that, well, I can call a deep cross now because my quarterback has an arm. Bring me all of the things that make him special in games that matter the most. If you can do that, you're going to win more often than you lose. I want to see, regardless of what the final score is, that Joe Brady has that in his bag of tricks. He can make our quarterback the best he possibly can be, and that he's also fully willing to weaponize the rare physical traits that our quarterback has. That's what, Chris, that, that's what they're doing on the opposite sideline. Jalen Hurts out deadlifts most, or out squats most people on his football team as a quarterback. So the tush push works. The What do they call it? The brotherly shove? Yeah. <clears throat> it works because of his lower body power. He's rare in that way. Our quarterback's rare too. But if we don't ever unleash him, you're literally fighting with one hand tied behind your back on purpose. And I can't co-sign that. If you're going to win this one, you have to lean into all of the things that make your quarterback special because you know your opponent's going to do it. And that's the final one. This is an opportunity for Sean McDermott to prove that he's not always in his career going to get outcoached by offensive-minded head coaches. It's a tough one. But at the same time, that moment that we just talked about where it was fourth down, fourth and one from their own, I want to say it was inside their 35 against Miami. It's later in the game. And all of a sudden the coach calls a timeout, the punt units on the field. And he goes, no, 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 no. I'm willing to listen to the numbers. Let's just go get this one yard and win the football game. So they run the brotherly shove three times on the same drive. They go down the field, score a touchdown. Now the game's blown wide open. Miami never has a prayer. But also, that deficit changes the way Miami calls their plays. It changes the desperation they have to play with. It changes the whole dynamic of things. That's what cutthroat football does for you. I need to see that Sean McDermott's willing to turn some of that loose as well. And if he's not, then Chris, what are our, like, what's the upshot for this team? Uh... You're asking the wrong person. Why would I know? Everybody wants. I just press record over here. Everybody wants to talk about how the, oh Sean McDermott he's misunderstood and Leslie Frazier all this was misconstrued. No, but, 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 I don't give a shit about any of this. Go show me you can win this game. You beat Andy Reid. In fact, you've beaten him a couple times now. Just not when it mattered. Well, now it matters. Now you have to beat all of the smart people from here on out. Show me that you have it that you can make the gutsy call or that you're willing to co-sign a gutsy call by your coordinator. Maybe this is the thing that wins or loses the game, but if you're just going to play it safe and trust a defense that is undermanned, right now beleaguered with injuries, then you're never going to be the guy. Then you're no different than half the other guys who failed before you. Have to have it. Got to have it right now in this moment. I can't wait to see whether or not he passes the litmus test. Guys, this is it. I, I'm excited. I'm also nervous. I'm also sort of 
Like, I know what's going to happen. Somebody's going to roll around and I'm just going to be all whiskeyed up and just nihilist in my basement watching this thing. Who's going to win? What's your prediction? Oh, Buffalo's going to win. You think so? 100%. By how much? Last minute field goal? I don't know if it'll be a field goal or a touchdown. By the way, Paterka just scored. Um, Bills are going to win this game, and I'm in my football pool. I picked the Bills based on the same reason I picked the Texans to beat the Bengals because the Bengals beat the Bills Sunday night football, Hamlin situation, that whole nonsense. Eagles just had Super Bowl rematch on the road, standalone game, Monday night football. They won. Now you're going to take a little step back. That was like their season Super Bowl. That was a big game for them. They're taking a step back. Bills are going to win the game. I don't know if I can get there, but I'll tell you this. They need to. My liver depends on it. Guys, this has been a lot of fun. Hopefully you gained something Something from this. But we gotta get the hell out of here. I'm Drew Gear. That's Chris Krueger. This has been your Rock Power Report. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.